0: Heavenly Father, Lord, we just come before you and thank you for your blessings. Thank you for all the things you do in our lives, Lord. And may you continue to have your hedge of protection upon our families, upon our pastors, and upon the whole congregation, Lord. Lord, thank you for everything you do in our lives. Keep our hearts and our minds always focused on you, Lord. We lift this time to you. We give you all the praise and glory. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And amen. Good morning and Welcome. So glad you're here. You can be seated. Those of you online, we're so glad that you're joining with us. A few things before we get started, the first of which is that our prayer meeting will be this Tuesday uh, here in the sanctuary. That's November 5th, and it will begin at 7 p.m. As for our Maui missions update, by the grace of God, we have been able to help people with the replacing of vehicles that were lost and uh one of which was for a brother in christ whose wife was an unbeliever but came to christ as a result of having a vehicle in jesus name given to them Additionally, we're continuing to provide immediate needs for those needing it most, of which there are still so many, sadly. But God is providing and moving on the hearts of the people of Lahaina. Um, Also, I wanted to give you a quick update on our mission outreach efforts to both Arabs and Jews in Israel with everything that's happening there. I've been spending some time uh, trying to vet ministries in Israel, and it looks like we may have narrowed it down. And so, Lord willing, and if we're still here, <laughs> I'm hoping to provide you with a good report uh, about an Israel mission outreach for those there, both Arabs and Jews. Also. Steve White is here on island and will be providing us a brief missions update from the mission field there in the Philippines. That'll be next Sunday, November 11th, prior to both of our Sunday morning service. Just going to kind of give us a brief update on what God's doing there in the Philippines. We also have information out front on Uh, the mission there. Nepal is coming up. That's gonna be now, um, really excited about this, by the way, Sunday, November 26th, at both morning services, we're gonna have Wally and Mara along with the missions team that are going to Nepal. And I wanna have them uh, come up, both services, we're gonna lay hands on them, pray for them, send them off and pray god's blessing on them Um, they leave the following wednesday which will be november 29th and then they return on saturday december 16th one more lastly Uh, we're also hoping to have jb who some of you might remember when she was here the last time hoping to have her with us again from japan and this time we're going to have her with part of her team, just share a brief update as well. And once we confirm this, I'll let you know. But in the meantime, please, please, please bathe all of these missionaries and these mission outreaches in prayer. I I beseech you. (laughs) Therefore, brethren, please pray. Well, we have two services on Sunday morning, the first of which is our weekly Bible prophecy update. We've been doing for quite some time now, many years. And second service is now the sermon. It's actually a verse-by-verse study through the Word of God. We're currently in 2 John. Our text is going to be chapter 1 because there's only one chapter in 2 John. And the verses will be verses 7 through 9. And what we're going to look at today are the many dangers keyword many that all of us myself included must watch out for in these perilous times of the last day so that's going to be live streamed for those of you online at 11:15 15 a.m hawaii time also if you're watching by way of youtube and facebook we want to encourage you to go directly to the website jdfrog.org. And there you will find the uncensored and uninterrupted entirety of today's update. And with that, we're going to get right to it. What I want to talk with you about today is the pronounced presence of idolatry within Christianity in these last days. I am keenly aware that I run the risk of an oversimplification when I try to define it, but I'm going to just very simply define idolatry this way. Idolatry is anything or anyone that has taken the place of Jesus in the life of a Christian. Again just a simple definition, anything or anyone that has replaced Jesus from his rightful place at the center of my life. That is idolatry. Now, two thoughts before we jump in. The first of which is that idolatry, by its very definition, usually brings to mind the usual suspects, if I can call them that. And you you know what I'm talking about, the usual suspects. (laughs) And while the usual suspects of idolatry are certainly prevalent in last days Christianity, it's the unusual suspects that have seemingly in their subtlety crept in unaware. And that's what I want to talk about today. The second thought on this is really the impetus for this, which was sort of confirmed by way of our recent verse-by-verse study through First John, which we completed a couple, three weeks ago now. And actually it was the last verse in the last chapter of 1 John which ended as bluntly as it did curiously leaving the reader to ponder, of which I am chief. Because, like I mentioned, we finished 1 John a couple, three weeks ago. I'm still stuck on this last verse in 1 John. I know I'm teaching 2 John, but I still can't shake this last verse in 1 John, especially because What we know about John is that he's affectionately referred to as the Apostle of Love, and he was inspired to end this letter in this peculiar way. So can I read the verse? This is the last verse of the last chapter of 1 John, verse 21. You ready for it? Dear children keep yourselves from idols. Amen. Bye. Okay, bye isn't in the original, but I think you get the point. Hey, wait, wait, what? It's kind of like you, you, you're like, wait, where's the, where's the, where's the rest of it? No, that that's, that's it. The last thing he says, and this is John we're talking about, keep yourselves from idols. Bye. What in the world? I mean, it begs the question of why would John, of all people, end on such a staccato note, for lack of a better way of saying it, and. Not at least offer some farewell closing, like give my greetings to, or I love you, can't wait to see you. No, just keep away from idols. Why answer? Well, the answer to this question is actually the premise for this update, such that It packs a much needed punch and in so doing doesn't pull any punches. Think about it this way. Let's just say that John were to have added a nice, cozy, comfy ending, the warm, fuzzy after saying, keep yourself, keep away from idols would that not have maybe softened it up or even watered it down and lessened the effect of an ending such as that? It would have, I know I'll speak for myself, it would have for me, I'll confess, if there were more after that, I would not pay as much attention to that because I would read past that. But when you end on that note, as it were, there's a reason for it. Now, now I've got to do something with it. Now I've got I to process it. I need to seek to understand it, because there's obviously a reason why John would be inspired by the Holy Spirit to end on such an abrupt note. And I'm hoping you'll kindly allow me to expound on this. I want to draw your attention to a very familiar last days prophecy that's going to be germane to our understanding of one of the reasons why John would emphasize this and end with something like this. It's 2 Timothy chapter 3. I'll begin reading in verse 1a. Prophecy I know familiar to most. So Paul is writing to Timothy, a young pastor inspired by the Holy Spirit, and he's going to tell him what the last days are going to look like, uh, how the last days will be marked, what will characterize the last days. He writes, verse 1, but mark this. These are the markers. There will be terrible times in the last days. Some of your translations render it perilous times. And then from verse 2 on through to verse 5, he now lists 19 markers, perilous markers if you prefer, that will characterize the last days. And in so doing, assist us in identifying the last days vis-a-vis these markers and characteristics. So here's the list of 19, beginning in verse 2, people will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, these are the usual suspects, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, kids. I'm going to read that one again, disobedient to their parents. Ungrateful. How about that one? Stand alone. I could do an entire sermon on just that one. I won't. I could, but I won't. Ungrateful. (laughs) Unholy. Without love, verse 3, natural affection, parental love for a child, and vice versa. Unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited. Lovers of pleasure, and I want you to pay particular attention to these two words. Rather than, hang on to those two words, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power, have nothing to do with them. It's pretty strong. I'm starting out this way because these two specific words, rather than, are always at the core of idolatry. Let me explain. That which I've made an idol when given over to idolatry will always have these two words right at the center. Example, I'll give you three, and I'll pose them in the form of three questions that, again, I would like to expound on as it relates to the idolatry we devote ourselves to rather than Jesus. Question number one, do I love Israel rather than loving the God of Israel? Or is my love for Israel because of my love for the God of Israel? Is it rather than or because of? Now, there's actually two more parts of this first question that I think I'd be grossly remiss were I not to also ask. And the first one is this. Because you hear this a lot. I stand with Israel. We stand with Israel. Okay. Question. Am I standing with Israel? rather than bringing the gospel of Jesus Christ to Israel? Or is my stand with Israel because of my bringing the gospel of Jesus Christ to Israel? Here's the second part. Am I standing with the Jewish people of Israel rather than both Jews and Arabs in Israel? Or is it because of my heart to bring Jesus to the Jewish and Arab people and the Jewish and Arab people to Jesus? I realized that was quite a quite a lot right out of the shoot. Maybe this is as good of a time as any just to humbly ask that you hear my heart. Because I think we do err greatly. And It is incumbent upon us to be very prayerful and careful when we're so quick to embrace and adopt these talking points of the world, because it's not Jesus. It's not Jesus. That was just question one. we got two more. (laughs) Question number two. Am I devoted to saving America rather than saving souls in America because of my love for the God who blessed America? Rather than or because of? And number three, Is my trust in science rather than the God of science because of my God who is the one and true God of true science? On Thursday nights, we're going verse by verse through the Old Testament. We're currently in Ezekiel. Wow. By the way, we're in the 30s. And there's one declaration that keeps leaping out from the pages of Ezekiel's prophecies. Replete throughout the book of Ezekiel and the others with them, God declares this, then they shall know that I am the Lord. I say it that way and emphasize it that way for a reason. Because in that reason, you have packaged the purpose for why God allows what God allows. I'M ALLOWING THIS TO HAPPEN SO THAT YOU WILL KNOW THAT I AM THE GREAT I AM. JOHN 13, 29, OR 14, IT'S ONE OF THOSE CHAPTERS AND VERSES. JESUS SAYS THIS, THIS IS A PARAPHRASE, I'M GOING TO TELL YOU WHAT'S GOING TO HAPPEN BEFORE IT HAPPENS SO THAT WHEN IT BEGINS TO HAPPEN YOU WILL BELIEVE THAT I AM period. In other words, that's the purpose of prophecy. Think about it. I'm going to tell you what's going to happen in advance before it happens, so that when it happens, you're going to go, wow, he said that was going to happen before it happened, and now it's happening. I believe he is the I am. now you'll notice on the screen I have Ezekiel 38, 23. Don't get ahead of me. It's there for a reason. I'm going to actually read that verse in just a moment, but I want to give you the backstory. Because right now Ezekiel 38 is hot, right? And rightfully so. For the benefit of those who don't know, it is a very detailed prophecy. When I say very detailed, I mean very detailed about an alliance of nations that advances from the north and invades Israel to take a spoil from Israel. And God deals them a decisive defeat, some believe, within a period of maybe less than 24 hours. That's pretty decisive. And I mean, you think about the list of nations by their ancient name in this very well-known prophecy of Ezekiel 38, and you start connecting the dots with the modern day nations that many Bible teachers believe they represent, all of whom, by the way, are in play today at the ready, just a matter of time exactly as God said it would some 2500 plus years prior God told us that this would happen way before it would happen and now it's beginning to happen exactly as God said it would and there comes the purpose I'm going to it's not only that I'm going to do this I'm going to do this in such a way that you will know it was me who did it. Because there's no other explanation. How can you logically explain, statistically, the, the odds of probability of a nation as tiny as Israel? By the way, parenthetically, let me say, it's not just because I'm an Arab that I always talk about Arabs and Jews, though I'm sure I could be rightfully accused of that. But twenty percent of the population of Israel today are Arab people, my people. So they all will know that I am God. And that was the purpose for this prophecy. Because that's the heart of God. God wants us to know Him and Him alone. Who is like unto you, O God? There is none like you, O God. You are the one and only true living God, because only you could do that. So, the last verse again. Boy, there's something about the last verse. I'm on a roll with last verses today in the chapters, so I'm going to read you the last verse of Ezekiel 38, verse 23. thus I will magnify myself and sanctify myself and I will be known in the eyes of many nations, and here it is, then they shall know that I am the Lord. So, <laughs> If you don't mind, can I just, before we go any further, can I just ask you to use your God-given imagination of the enormity and the complexity and the intensity of a prophecy such as this? I mean, here comes this invading army, this alliance of nations, massive. And they invade little tiny Israel, and America's not going to be there to save them. Oh, Saudi Arabia and the Gulf states, they're going to just, you know, they're going to protest because they've got uh, skin in the game, as we say. they got a dog in this hunt. You can use whatever metaphor you want because of the oil. So they're going to protest this invasion, but they're not going to come to Israel's defense. And that's by God's design. Why? Because God is going to come to Israel's defense and God alone. So that when it's all said and done, there's no question mark here. This was God. Pastor, where are you going with this? Here's where I'm going with this. When it's all said and done, the nations of the earth will know it's the Lord and the Lord alone. And sadly, there's coming a day in that day, it will be too late, but every knee is gonna bow. And every tongue is going to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. But at that time, it will not be a confession unto salvation, rather it will be a confession unto damnation. Thankfully the good news, or we're going to talk about this at the conclusion, there's still time before that time. Though the time is very short, now is the time, today is the day to confess Jesus Christ is Lord, because now it's for salvation, then it will be for damnation. THIS BRINGS ME TO THE THIRD FORM OF IDOLATRY IN THE LAST DAYS, AND IT'S THAT OF TRUSTING THE SCIENCE, RATHER THAN THE GOD OF SCIENCE. SO AT THIS TIME WE'LL GO AHEAD AND END THE LIVE STREAM ON FACEBOOK AND YOUTUBE AND REDIRECT YOU TO THE WEBSITE. So I need to, by way of a preface, ask you to pray for us concerning the updating and adding to our current religious exemption letter, which is available on our website. And the reason being is that we've been on the receiving end of numerous requests as of late due to the new flu shot mandate. PLEASE KNOW THAT WE'VE SECURED AND RETAINED AN AMAZING ATTORNEY. HE'S A BROTHER IN CHRIST WHO, ALONG WITH HIS FIRM, IS WORKING DILIGENTLY ON THIS. AS SUCH, WE HOPE TO HAVE THIS IN PLACE AS SOON AS WE'RE ABLE AND MAKE IT ALONG WITH OTHER DOCUMENTATION AVAILABLE ON OUR WEBSITE THROUGH THE MASTER'S TOUCH PRINT AND MAIL. But as for the idolatry of trusting science rather than the God of science, let me very simply say that our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit resides in our bodies. Listen to 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. Do you not know That you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? If anyone defiles the temple of God, listen very carefully, God will destroy him. For the temple of God is holy which temple you are. Second Corinthians chapter 7 verse 1. Since we have these promises, dear friends, let us purify ourselves from everything that key word contaminates body and spirit interesting connection perfecting holiness out of reverence for God please hear me out it's for this and other reasons such as the use of aborted babies and animals, by the way, which were to have dominion over, but not abuse, that are used in the testing and development of many vaccines, plus the fact that there are contaminants, toxins, and poisons present for which we are rejecting the injecting of these shots into our bodies the temple of the Holy Spirit. As I'm sure many of you know, there is now a plethora of new information that's coming out about the contents of these deadly injections. And I mean, it is just absolutely heartbreaking. This is why new forms of deadly cancers are on a dramatic rise, and a countless number of people are dropping dead like flies. These are people, not numbers. We are now seeing new medical phenomena, the likes of which we've never before seen in our lifetime, such as turbo cancers that come on quickly, add to this fatal heart attacks in young and otherwise healthy individuals during exercise and during the early morning hours of sleep and many other conditions in young people, again, the likes of which we've never before seen in our lifetime. Things like strokes, blood clots, paralysis, just to mention a few. Young people, yet it seems that, for the most part, It's just business as usual. Life goes on. It could be argued that even within the church, maybe especially in the church, you would never know anything happened. It's like it never even happened. There's a reason for this, by the way. And we shouldn't be surprised by it. Because we have Bible prophecy. Thank God for Bible prophecy. Thank you God for Bible prophecy. Because Bible prophecy tells us what the last days are going to look like. And as I'm looking at the day in which we're living, It is exactly what Bible prophecy says the last days will look like and be like. And we have specificity, again, thankfully, when it comes to Bible prophecy. Take the prophecy concerning the days of Noah and the days of Lot. Listen to Luke 17, beginning in verse 26, the words of the Savior, Jesus is speaking. And as it was in the days of Noah, so it will be also in the days of the Son of Man. And he explains, verse 27, what it was like in the days of Noah. What was it like in the days of Noah? They ate, they drank, they married wives, they were given in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark and the flood came and destroyed them all. He goes on, verse 28, likewise, as it was also in the days of Lot. This is to me even more specific, and I'll explain why in a moment. They ate, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they built, they got their booster shots. They Oh, that's not the... sorry. But on the day that Lot went out of Sodom, he was actually, this is being very kind on the part of the Savior, but he was pulled out of Sodom. He was grabbed. The detail of the narrative of that account is breathtaking, no pun intended. They were reluctant. They were so settled in, even Lot himself was reluctant. It it even says, here's the detail, in the narrative that he hesitated. And the angels of the Lord that were sent there to take them out before it all came down, pre-trib rapture, as if to say, Lot... We can't destroy. No fire or brimstone can come down until I get you out. That's the preacher trip rapture. So on the day that Lot went out of Sodom, It rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. Even so will it be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. You know what's so chilling about this prophecy from the Savior Himself? IT'S HOW OBLIVIOUS PEOPLE WERE ON THE EVE OF GOD'S JUDGMENT AND DESTRUCTION. THINGS WERE BACK TO NORMAL, BUSINESS AS USUAL. COMPLETELY OBLIVIOUS, BLIND IF YOU PREFER, ON THE EVE OF GOD'S JUDGMENT business as usual people going about their lives giving no thought to the peril that awaited them right around the corner you know what one of the more troubling aspects of this particular prophecy is it's how christians and non-christians alike are dismissive at best and deceived at worst on the eve of God's coming judgment and destruction now in our day as it was in the days of Noah and Lot. we've talked about it in the past. I'm not going to go into it today, but there are numerous and even voluminous parallels between God's judgment coming in Noah's day and God's soon coming judgment in our day. But what stands out the most is the wickedness and evil. Let me read Genesis 6, 5. This is what it was like and how bad it was in the days of Noah. And Jesus is saying to us today in our day, this is how bad it will be. Then the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Every intent, yeah. Continually evil, yeah. Great wickedness, yeah. again, time doesn't permit me to list all the great wickedness and the continual evil in the world today, at least not for the update today. Nor do I wish to, nor do I think I actually need to. Because wouldn't you agree that with each passing day seemingly the world is waxing more and more evil, and the wickedness becoming greater and greater with each passing day i mean when you have the detail in the aforementioned genesis 6 5 you think about that it it almost gives you the impression if i can if i can just kind of paint this by way of an illustration that that they were very imaginative and creative and their their creativity was continually to create and invent evil. And the wickedness, wickedness, not a word we use much in our vocabulary today. There's a distinction, a delineation between wickedness and evil. It's an oxymoron, I realize, but when you say of evil, it is pure evil. It's an oxymoron, but basically what that phrase is saying is that this is evil through and through, and they would continually come up with new evil. The intent, their intentions were evil intentions continually. The thoughts, they they would think up evil. Their thoughts were only evil continually, and their wickedness was, was great. Why am I harping on this? Because that's today. I think of the Apostle Paul who would say, inspired by the Spirit, I mean, the evil that is done is so unspeakable unspeakable evil. It it, it is so evil you can't even speak of it. And that's what's happening. And not only is it happening, it's happening, this great wickedness and continual, unthinkable, and unspeakable evil is happening under the banner of science that's idolized and worshiped as a God rather than God. But God. But God, in His love for us, foretold all of this to us. Not so we would all be scared, rather so we would all be prepared. Now, if this scares the H-E double hockey sticks out of you, praise the Lord, because I would rather scare you into heaven than flatter you into hell. If this is what it takes, whatever it takes to realize We live in an evil, fallen world, rife with wickedness. And God has to. It's not His will that any should perish. He takes no delight in punishing or judging the wicked. But God is just, and God has to judge the world. And God will judge the world. And His judgment is coming. And if you're not right with the Lord, I implore you to get right with the Lord, so you can be ready for the Lord when that trumpet sounds, because that trumpet is going to sound sooner than any of us can possibly imagine. For those asking, okay, you're, you're, you don't want to scare me. You want to prepare me. You're not doing a very good job, by the way. but. Can I just ask, pray, tell, what is it that you want to prepare me for? I'm so glad you asked. We need look no further than the Word of God and the God of the Word, because in a word, it's hope, hope. Um, if you're anything like me, and I suspect that you are, everything in the world seems so hopeless. We need hope. Who's our hope? Not what's our hope. Who's our our hope? Jesus. He's our only hope. This is again a a well-known passage. If you don't mind Titus 2, I'll begin reading in verse 11. For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in the present age looking for, verse 13, looking forward to, being prepared for, looking for, what? The blessed hope. What's the blessed hope? The glorious appearing of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ, who gave Himself for us, that He might redeem us from every lawless deed, and purify for himself his own special people, zealous for good works. Speak these things. These are the things you are to teach. Exhort and rebuke with all authority, God-given authority. And interesting that Paul would be inspired to write Titus this at the end of verse 15 let no one despise you. The inference that when you teach these things, exhort rebuke with your God-given authority, you're going to be despised. Ask Jeremiah about that. We, we refer to this as the blessed hope, and, and please, I know, I hope you don't tire of me trying to uh, explain this, but it's, when, when we say blessed hope, it's not like, oh, I sure hope. No, it's more like this. My only hope is Jesus coming and taking me out of this evil and wicked and dying Christ-rejecting world that I have long ago overstayed my welcome in. This world not my home. I believe the Holy Spirit is prompting me to just kind of share this with you and we'll turn a corner in a moment but and bring it to a close. But one of the most profound effects of teaching these things, teaching Bible prophecy, is that it loosens the ever tightening grip that we have on this world and the things of this world. BECAUSE WHEN YOU TEACH THESE THINGS, SPEAK THESE THINGS, EXHORT, REBUKE WITH ALL AUTHORITY DESPITE HOW THEY WILL DESPISE YOU, BUT YOU REMAIN FAITHFUL AND TRUE TO PREACH CHRIST AND HIM CRUCIFIED. THE GOSPEL, THE GOOD NEWS THAT JESUS DIED, HE WAS BURIED, HE ROSE AGAIN, AND HE'S COMING BACK AGAIN. It brings it to the forefront, and everything else pales in comparison. Right now, like many of you, what comes to mind are those timeless classic hymns. The world behind me, the cross before me, though none go with me, yet I will follow. The things of earth grow strangely dim in the light of Your glory and Your grace. And this is what I believe God does and wants to do in our lives. He's always so gentle in the way that He does it. He just wants to loosen or tighten your grip. Don't get too comfortable down here. I'm coming to take you to the place I prepared for you. So th- th- don't, By the way, the world hates your guts, but I love your guts. <laughs> the world hates you because the world first hated me, and by associate, you're guilty by association, which is why you're the recipient of such. the 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 world is not your friend. Why are you trying to send? A, you keep sending a friend request to the world. The world blocked you a long time ago. But I've sent you a friend request. The world's not your home. You're in it, not of it. Don't get too comfortable, because I'm coming to take you out. Because truth be made known, J.D., that's your only hope. I mean, that's your only hope everything that's happening in this world, as evil as this world is becoming, the great wickedness rivaling the days of Noah, the days of Lot. I mean, I didn't intend to go this far, but just indulge me, if you will, please. I wonder if in some regard we have not exceeded the evil and the wickedness of the days of Noah and Lot. And I only say that based on the technology of today. I only, I only say that because of just the in-your-face wickedness of our day. Over the years, Psalm 119 has become a friend, like I'm sure it has for many of you. The longest chapter in all of the Bible, of course, the longest Psalm. I think, um, if I'm not mistaken, uh, I forget, it's like a hundred and some 70 verses. uh, But uh, only three of those verses don't mention the Word of God in them. But the whole psalm is about the Word of God, the Word of God, penned by David, inspired by the Spirit. I've just been meditating on this psalm in my time with the Lord this last week. And and one of the things that kind of jumped out at me was when David wrote this, you could almost hear the pain in the penning of these words. He was hurting. And when you read through it, kind of the the common theme of it is, yeah, I'm hurting, but I have Your Word, and Your Word is a soothing, healing balm on my hurting, aching heart. So would it be okay if I just share with you two verses? out of Psalm 119, and encourage you to also maybe spend some time in this amazing Psalm. One of them is 119 verse 49. This was huge. Remember the word to your servant upon which you have caused me to hope. Now, please don't think for a second that David is reminding God because God forgot. God, you forgot your word to me, your servant. I was putting my hope and you forgot. No, it's more like this. It had come to his remembrance. And it's almost like you're, you're sitting around backyard, barbecue. Is that too much? Are you hungry? <laughs> and you're just talking story and you're just kind of reflecting on some of the fond memories you have, and it's more like this: David, his intimate relationship as the sweet psalmist of Israel with his God. It's like he's saying, "God, you remember when? He remember that time? Sure, oh, that's right." And then as you get older, it's more like this: Was that 1956 or was that 1957? I don't remember. No, God remembers. Yeah, I do remember, David. I do remember my word to you, my servant. And He says, I remember your word to me, your servant, because it was your word to your servant upon which I based my hope, my only hope, because you gave me your word. And God can't break His Word. We call it the Word of God, but that's what it is, the Word of God. I know deeply profound, God has given you His Word. He can't break His Word. You have the Word of God. You've got God's Word. Now you can have my Word. I give you my Word. I shouldn't have used myself as an illustration. I'm the pastor. I should use somebody else, but not look at anybody when I do. But just, you know, a brother so-and-so. They give you their word. Nah. We'll see. But when God gives you his word, psh, you can take it to the bank. Actually, don't take it to the bank right now. Not a good time. Verse 76, Psalm 119. This one in particular. Let. I pray your merciful kindness be for my comfort according to your word to your servant. Did you catch that? Uh, Mercy, kindness, comfort, I pray. If there was ever a day that we needed hope, we needed the kindness of God, which by the way, Romans 2.4 says it is the kindness of God that leads a man to repentance. If there was ever a day that I need the mercy of God, if there was ever a day that I need to be comforted by the Holy Spirit, IF THERE WAS EVER A DAY THAT I NEEDED TO REMEMBER GOD'S WORD TO ME, HIS SERVANT, THAT DAY IS TODAY. I PRAY. LET I PRAY. BECAUSE YOU UNDERSTAND WHAT IS HAPPENING RIGHT NOW WITH EVERYTHING IN THE WORLD. PEOPLE ARE GETTING BEAT DOWN AND WEARY because it takes a toll. The non-Christian knows nothing of this, by the way, because they're just going with the flow. But for the Christian, especially in this last hour, the spiritual warfare is off the charts. Why? Because Satan knows he has but a short time. That's why, by the way, your, your Christian marriage, IS BEING ATTACKED. THAT'S WHY YOUR FAMILY, YOUR KIDS ARE BEING ATTACKED. THAT'S WHY YOUR RELATIONSHIPS ARE UNDER SPIRITUAL ATTACK. IT'S A SPIRITUAL BATTLE. THIS IS SPIRITUAL WARFARE. RIGHT UP TO THE TIME. BOTTOM LINE. BE ENCOURAGED. And be an encourager, by the way. (laughs) Comfort others with the comfort you yourself received from the Lord when you were going through what they are now going through. Comfort them with the comfort that you were comforted with when the Lord comforted you. Just Comfort them. Encourage them. Be an encourager with everything that is against the Christian in these last days. We don't need each other to be against each other. Be an encourager. Comfort one another. Love on one another. Love one another. Be, be kinder. Be kinder. And be merciful. Show mercy. You'll be shown mercy. This, as all of us look forward to, the blessed hope when the trumpet sounds at the pre-tribulation rapture and the dead in Christ rise first and all of those loved ones in Christ Absent from their body, present with the Lord, when that trumpet sounds, they get their new bodies first. We're going to get to see them again when we see the Lord in the air. You don't want to talk about that? I do, because that really encourages me and comforts me. and gives me something to look forward to. Because when you have that hope, isn't it true? When you have hope, you have that hope to look forward to. You you take that hope away. Someone tries to steal your hope, like the enemy who comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He's going to steal your hope, kill your joy. He's a killjoy. Because he knows if he can steal your hope, then he's got you. No, I love how Paul says it in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 after he talks about how the dead in Christ are going to rise first and we who are alive and remain will be caught up raptured, harpazo in the Greek, rapturous in the Latin, and be together in the, in the, meet the Lord in the air and be together with the Lord forever that's the rapture of the church and then at the end of the chapter the last verse again, last last verse for the day he says, therefore, encourage one another with these words. The point being, people need to be encouraged by these words. Because this is good news. And we could sure use some good news, right? And that's the gospel. The good news of salvation. Found in the person of Jesus Christ. The ABC's of salvation, just a simple tool to share Jesus Christ with somebody. Should you ever have the profound privilege of God bringing somebody into your path or on your phone after being on hold for customer support for 30 minutes. How do you know that the person who's going to finally take your call, who's been screamed at all day long by angry, irritable non-Christians, of course, how do you know that they took your call because God wants you to get Jesus to them and them to Jesus? You ever thought about that? I remember telling, and I was on hold a very long time, I didn't even want to tell you. And there were moments, I have to confess, I know, like Paul said, what dwells in me, there dwelleth no good thing that is in my flesh. You know, and the phones now, you can see how long you've been on hold, 41 minutes and 28 seconds and counting and then they finally pick up the phone. Of course, now I'm praying because I'm a very godly man. I said, okay, Lord, obviously you're doing something here. This person has probably had a really rough day. And how many people, if if I've been on hold for this long, how many calls has the person that's going to take my call been on the receiving end of where the customer has been so irate? And they're just doing the best they can so i remember saying to this gal one time i said you know i can't even imagine how many angry irate customers you deal with on a daily basis i just want you to know i'm not going to be one of them i could almost hear her start to cry you're not no i i wanted to (laughs) but i won't and i just you know was very gracious my word seasoned with grace she was very good solved my problem and i just asked her i said is there anything at all that i could pray for you about and that's when she lost and then i'm gonna lose it i was like thank you lord but I also had to say, forgive me, Lord, because I did have those thoughts that I was going to blast whoever took this call. But no, I'm not going to blast them. You want to save them. <laughs> you love them. It's a, it's a very simple template tool. The A is for admit or acknowledge that you're a sinner. Otherwise, why would you need a Savior? Romans 3.10 says, There is no one righteous, not even one. Nobody's good. You might be a good person, you'll never be good enough. And Romans 3.23 tells us why. It's because all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We were all born sinners, which is why we must be born again to enter the kingdom of heaven. So now we've all sinned. We're guilty as charged. We're going to enter the sentencing phase, and the judge hands down the sentence, and it's the death sentence for the wages of sin is death. It's bad news. But here's the good news. The gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Notice the contrast. Gift, wages. Wages you earn, gift you receive. You try to pay for that gift, it's a purchase. It's no longer a gift. No, He purchased you. You, you have been purchased with a price. You are not your own. And He paid the price. How much did it cost? Everything. cost Him this life. To pay for the gift that He offers to you and to me. The gift of eternal life that He paid for in full. That's the A. Here's the B, and this is so central and so simple. (laughs) Believe. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever would believe, believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord. Romans 10, 9, if you believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, you will be saved. And then this is what leads to the sea, lastly. It's the expression of what's in the heart, because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks, and you confess with your mouth and you call upon the name of the Lord. This is what we talked about earlier. Unto salvation, Romans 10, 9. If you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord and... Believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead. You will be saved. This is your knee bowing and your tongue confessing now for salvation, not then when it's too late for damnation. And lastly, Romans 10:13 seals the deal. All who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved that's simple that's the gospel today's but god testimony is actually just a short testimony of thanks from darren gay who writes hello dear jd i'm simply sending a heartfelt thanks to you from melbourne australia (laughs) i love how australians talk thank you for ushering myself and my dear friend rosemary to jesus i like that's what we are ushers did you know that you're all ushers you usher people to jesus my friend rosemary was the one who insisted i must watch and listen to this man jd who god works through (laughs) and i am so glad she did god bless you jd we are forever grateful darren and rosemary. Imagine that. Come on up, David. Why don't you go ahead and stand up. My abrupt closing is just dedicated to the Apostle John, who abruptly ended his first letter. (laughs) Bye. Father in heaven, thank you. (laughs) Lord, search our hearts. See if there be anything at all that has crept in and kept us from hearing you, knowing you, loving you. And Lord, ever so gently, just put your finger on it because we want it out surgically remove it from our hearts, from our lives. If it's taken your place in our lives, Mm -hmm. then, Lord, it's become an idol, and we're guilty of idolatry. If it's something maybe we've just kind of blown off and shined you on, But yet that still small, persistent, refining voice of the Holy Spirit keeps saying ever so gently, ever so lovingly, it's got to go, this has got to go, this has got to go. Lord, take it, remove it. Search our hearts, O Lord. We don't want to be numbered amongst those of whom it is said something else or someone else is the object of their devotion and affection. And it's not You, Jesus. So thank You, Jesus. We love You so much, Jesus. For anyone watching online or maybe even here that has never called upon You, believing in You, Lord, I pray that today They will not leave this place or end this video without making the most important decision of their life for eternal life. Thank you, Lord. And lastly, Jesus, please, please come quickly. Maranatha. In Jesus' name, amen.